Welcome, folks, to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Every week, diving deep into the truth of Catholic social teaching and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. I'm Bud Marr. And we are coming to you live from these United States of America. I am over here in Des Moines, Iowa, where I'm the Director of, Camp- of Mission and Ministry at Mercy College of Health Sciences and the Director of the Zeed Institute for Foundation and Ethics and Leadership. You can find us at mchs.edu and at zedainstitute.com. Bud is out there in Pittsburgh, America. What do you do out there, Bud? I'm the Director at the National Institute for Newman Studies. We're at www.newmanstudies.org. And so we come to you through the miracle of technology, iowacatholicradio.com, all of our local affiliates here in in Iowa, over in Oklahoma as well, uh, Mercy One Studios. It's good to be with you today, and uh, as always, a privilege and honor to get to talk to everybody on these airwaves. Bud, I don't know, man, things are starting to probably look summery. We're getting ready to flip the calendar into the big old uh, months that start with J. Um on a scale from 1 to 10, how afraid are you of this summer? Or I'm not very- afraid. I love this time of year. We got through the we we slugged through Lent and now you get to that time of year where you see a lot of like first communions and confirmations. That's always exciting. But for us the the swimming pool opened up on last Saturday, so the kiddos are breaking out. Well, sunblock is foundational. That's right. Given me and Rachel's genetics, but um uh, no, it's a it's a fun time of year. Yeah, that's definitely for us. The Bonners are also um, making the sunscreen industry really uh, spread its wings and fly. I'm sure that on sunscreen alone, uh, many a CEO of sunscreen.org uh, has got to buy its own personal jet. Um, did you come up with any summer plans yet? Do you guys have any big, you know, like Teuton National Forest? I don't know if that's even a national park. Yeah, I think, uh, well, we're going to, I'm going to a conference at Notre Dame this coming week, and so we'll see Rachel's parents. And then around uh, July 4th, we're going to introduce the kids to the miracle of the ocean. Oh, so wow. I think, Which one? I think uh, the Atlantic. We're driving down. Rachel's brother lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. And then it's another few hours to, like, Wilmington Beach. So I know that the at least the oldest kids are really thrilled about that. And oh. And saying, ga, 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 goo. Yeah. <laughs> And your uh, your brother in law got all high and mighty and moved to Raleigh. I see. So too good for Durham. Well, it's still kind of a sore spot because uh, he moved out and actually got a job at the company Rachel was working with, uh. and then we abandoned him. So <laughs> <laughs> he still, if he has uh, if he has a couple Mountain Dews at Thanksgiving dinner, he starts berating me in front of the rest of the family. That's right. The- <laughs> the Mountain Dew uh, tirades of, of, of yeah. Rachel's family. Yeah, I don't think, um, you know, we, we usually do our usual gigs down into Oklahoma and Kansas, but I, too, will be at a conference at Notre Dame, um, just a different one than, than you. I think the, the official ruling was we couldn't be on the campus at the same time because we'd burn it down, not literally, like, figuratively. Well, when you visit, be sure to go into the church crypt, Um Arrestus Brownson's resting spot. That's right. Is there I, in the crypt, so it's pretty cool to see. Are you going to leave a message? You should leave a note to see if it lasts until I get Leave done Newman here. alone! <laughs> <laughs> the theory of development was fine! Yeah, he... Uh, he was he not was a fan. Not, no, he's not a thrill. He's not thrilled when Newman first started talking about the development of doctrine. 
Yeah. But he did he did eventually come around. He came Actually, around to a lot of stuff. He, he was, was he converted reading. like 15 times, man. Yeah, he was one of those who had went from a kind of agnosticism to unitarianism to full-blooded Catholicism. So. Well, speaking of uh, ways in which you can start out uh, and then, you know, in one area and then work yourself up at Mercy College of Health Sciences, which underwrites our show, uh, one of the things we have to commend for Mercy College is there's a way in which you can start with a progression of degrees. If you want to start out with a certificate program, we have our uh, certificate learning center. Um, you can stack on different degrees. You can start with certificates, get associates, end up with a bachelor's degree, all sorts of ways that you can do this. Different programs online, in person, fall, summer, and winter. All of it there, mchs.edu. Uh, go ahead and go check that out. Yeah, some news that I picked up on last week's show is I didn't realize you had booked uh, Charlie Camosi for the Faith and Healing series. That's awesome. So I, it sounds like you still have some pretty good initiatives underway over there. Oh, yes. we have. Uh, so he's actually March 2020, so I'll have plenty of time to advertise him. The next one coming up, though, is in September. We have two dates, uh, September 24th and 26th. We have Letitia Ocho-Adams. Uh, who is going to talk about suicide, dealing with grief. And then um, our mutual friend Dana Dillon out at Providence College who's coming that next, the Thursday. And this is all during Mer- Mercy Week in September. And she's going to be talking about uh, mental health and the faith communities. So those are both things that we will advertise and you want to make sure to go to as well. So it's going to be a great time. Um, on today's show, bud, uh, we're going to talk about retirement and i'm sure most people would not imagine that they would we're not going to talk about like plans i you know one of the things we can get out of the way is my retirement plan is to have children until one of them looks like a business major uh (laughs) and hopefully you know they'll help me out um but we've had really great input talking with a bunch of our friends talking about the worry that retirement what what people do after they retire um, and it gets into much deeper conversations about um, what do we do when communities radically shift? Uh, I know I was joking, but the idea used to be, right, that you would rely on your kids to help you um, when the time came to retire. What do we do now? What does that say about society that people think about this very differently? So that's what we're going to talk about on the show today. Yeah, this is something that uh, strikes me at a personal level because it's a topic on my mind. But like you said, I, I've had a lot of conversations out and about regarding people like thinking through this so i I think we're in for a good show so uh stick around we're not going to give you investment or 401k advice or anything like that because we'd be terrible at it uh but to get to how this affects the common good that's what we're going to be talking about so i'm bo bonner dr bud marr this is the uncommon good stick around and we'll be back talking about this uh topic right after these messages but if people want to leave us a message to contact us it's easy to do just use the zip whip line 515-223-1150, 515-223-1150, 515-223-1150, 515-223-1150, the zip whip line. Um, what I'm really <laughs> worried about, bud, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm worried that like people are going to hear it's about retirement and then they're going to start giving us very specific advice about yeah. money and investments and you and I are going to start crying and Jimmy's going to have to help us out and tell us <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, that it's okay and to stop whining, you big babies, but... Uh, I guess if you if you have a hot tip on how we should invest um, <laughs> for retirement, the zip whip line, 515-223-1150, or otherwise theological and philosophical concerns otherwise should work out well. Um, and if you want to leave a message for us, it's easy to do, hashtag UCG for the uncommon good. Uh, so stick around, and when we're done with these messages, we'll be back 
right after this. Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities, and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www.blessmaninternational.org and make your donation today. Fifty years ago, tuition costs at Catholic elementary schools were mostly absorbed by parishes. Now, higher salaries for lay teachers and new technologies have greatly increased the cost for families. Hi, I'm Jean Wells at the Catholic Tuition Organization, and my job is to reduce tuition costs for families and award great tax credits to generous donors. Want to help? Please donate today at ctoiowa.org. Let's do this for the kids and their future. At Golden Rule, you already know we obey the rules to live by. We know that there are no medals for providing outstanding customer service. It's just what you do when your customers are like family. That's why we provide state-of-the-art training for all of our employees. From customer service to routine maintenance and new equipment, you can always count on Golden Rule. And by taking care of our family, we can take better care of yours. I'm Bobby from Golden Rule, where we deliver respect, understanding, loyalty, expertise, and service every time you call. We have a standard and we prove it online at goldenrulephc.com. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr joining you on this Wednesday. Thank you for taking your time to listen to us. Uh, as always, you can listen to us at 10 a.m. Right, right now, of course. Um, the rebroadcast at 10, 10 p.m. on iowacatholicradio.com and on the right over the airwaves. And then also on our podcast. But we're talking about a topic that I'm not sure everybody, if you were betting, which I don't think anybody's yeah. gambling on our show, but if you were... Um, I would say that this would be like 100 to 1 odds that people would think we would be talking about retirement. Um, No, neither Bud nor myself are anywhere near the retirement age. Um, But we have friends vastly more responsible than we are uh, who talk about things and life events. And when Bud and I kind of come down from the dorky clouds of either talking about theology or whatever movie we've watched recently, we're, we're faced with the brutal reality of everyone else. But what are we going to do when we don't work anymore? Well, I think people have pressed this as well. When we talk about caring for the weak, um, it's easy to think, of course, about um, children, uh, the unborn, the disabled, and rightly we should. Um, but the whole reason we actually have retirement is that human beings are living long enough now that they will get to an age where work either becomes not feasible or certainly starts to become onerous or burdensome. And so as a good society, we try to say, if people put in a certain amount of work, can we provide for them uh, when they're older to you know, have their needs uh, met uh, without them having to you know, put their no- nose to the nine-to-five grindstone? 
Um, this has been done classically through Social Security, other means in, as well. Uh, increasingly, people do 401ks, investments, and things like this. Uh, but as anybody who's been paying any sort of attention to the political world knows, uh, there's just a huge question about what is going to happen when a lot of people who struggle to meet uh, paycheck to paycheck paying bills, what are we going to do when they reach retirement age? And this really started to get us thinking, bud, about why is it that retirement and retirement planning, uh, what does it say about the way in which our communities have changed and what does it say about the common good? Yeah, and this could be a case. So, Bo, you made the joke about how if you act, want actual financial advice, don't come to Bud and Bo. And and maybe with a show like this, some will feel like we're going far afield. But I do think uh, we have a good friend out there who said this is something that the church has to be thinking about and talking to people about. And I think it, it does. And part of it is that it gets back to a term that we've used on the show in the past is social imaginary. And sometimes as we're going about life and things are so busy and we're thinking just about making ends meet, and so we take for granted the water that we swim in, and it feels natural to us, even though it's not the way things have always been. And, you know, as a, as a community of faith who says it's important that we pass on our faith to our children, that, you know, people be open to life and their marriages, that's all connected to these sorts of questions. Um, I know you had a recent conversation with a former student on Facebook where you were bringing up the drop in the um, the birth rate in the U.S. I think it's the lowest it's been in almost four decades, 35 years or something. Yes. And this student, you know, I, we, uh, we always appreciated her in class because she was someone who I think was in a different place than you and I on certain social issues, but she would hear us out with the arguments. And she she came to the conversation with you in good faith, and she said, look, I'm in my early 20s, I'm wrapping up a degree, uh, I work really hard, but the idea of having a child is almost impossible to me. And you kind of pointed out um, in response saying you weren't trying to shame people who find it hard to have children. You were bemoaning the fact that our country is in a place where society is organized, where someone in their early to mid-20s, the idea of a child is almost like apocalyptic. This could really set me back for a long period of time. Yeah, if you if you set up a world where 20-somethings don't I mean, where they sweat the very idea of having a child. When you think yeah. about everything involved about... I mean, I always joke around that staying up late with an infant at 38 is uh, drastically different than 28, <laughs> uh, let alone even earlier than that. When you think about human biology, um, you know, when it is that we have the capacity to you know, be young parents and all these things like this. And again, like you said, this isn't shaming anyone who had kids when they're old. This isn't shaming people who don't have kids or uh, people who adopt but yep. when you just have a society where 20 somethings think it's unimaginable to have children that's a society that let's at least say is an outlier it's not very often throughout history where that would ever be the case now this compounds directly to what we're talking about now um in prior societies if you asked what would an old person do if they were blessed with years to live a long life where they couldn't work in a field well you get biblical and you know uh, you have many children. You have your children's children. The idea is there is a thick family and communal element where you would be taken care of, taken care for, even if you are unable to go do some specific type of work. Clearly, there's societies that have failed, or uh, you know that there's tyrannical people. I mean, I, of course, we're not saying that the past is a golden age. 
But we're just working off the assumption that what do you do with old people is, well, families in the community that they've served for so long care for them. When you change the world and say, no, actually you can't rely on that, you need to have a retirement plan, not only is it the case that mostly rich and middle class people get to have retirement plans and the very people who need retirement money the most won't be putting any money back because they can't, it also speaks to the fact of something like what you're pro- talking about with our student. If you're not having kids until your 30s, they're not going to be well off enough to take care of you even if they had every intention to. I mean, you're taking a decade away of them being able to enter the workforce to care for old for elderly parents. Now, again, this is not to like find any specific person at fault, but when you see this systemically, you start to realize that The reason retirement and what we're going to do with people who are retiring, what we're going to do with Social Security, what do we do with 401ks and investments, the reason it becomes so pressing is because we have managed and set up society in a radically different way where no one expects old forms of taking care of the elderly. And I think you see this by, I don't know if you've heard this in your parents, but or people their age, um, they talk about being a burden a lot more. Than I ever used to remember. I, you know, I always joke around that um, I'm trying to be as big a burden on everyone so I can get them all to heaven as a joke. Um, but you don't hear the idea about burden, right? There's the idea of like, you know, if you live a long life and you were blessed with those years, that precisely the honor that you that you garner is that people would take care of you. But now we think about it in economic terms, and people are literally scared to live too long. And then you have to ask this deep question: What are we doing as a society? that leads to this very uh, anticlimactic, uh, weird idea about growing old. Well, and that's where, Bo, I think it does get back to core principles. And, you know, one book that I've become really interested in recently is this work by Zygmunt Bauman, Liquid Modernity. And so much of our modern existence is organized around institutions or experiences that are very fleeting. Um, so if you asked a young person, if you asked a per- one of our students in class, how do you succeed in modern-day America? So set aside, set aside certain commitments, like, say, thinking about yourself as Catholic, and I'm committed to certain things. But just if you were to present to people, how do you financially get ahead in America? What kind of things would be valued? It would be things like mobility, um, acquisitiveness, like you said, having a kind of job or life arrangement where you could set aside. Sometimes I see these articles about where people are recommending that you set aside, say, 20000 of 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 your dollars of your income each year. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, who has that sort of, you know, who has that sort of setup? Right. But all those sorts of things, ironically, I think, I, I think to a phrase from the Gospels, the one who wants to save their life will lose it, and the one who wants to lose their life will save it. And I think, of course... Jesus had something even more deeply profound in, my, in mind about your eternal destiny. But I think, weirdly, in our culture, that even applies at the level of practicality. Right. Because we've built a very liquid modernity, we've built a very mobile society, and that gave us the dream or the fantasy that I could always take care of myself. But it's unnatural. It cuts against human nature. And now you have people who even have done, they've taken all the steps that they were told to take to be successful, and I think I see in my classrooms a lot of anxiety that will there be will there be a safety net, whether that's a social safety net, 
or family and relationships that are there for me when I reach retirement age. Well, <laughs> what prompted this, and we don't have to go too deep into Twitter's fear. I always feel that we're having a a bit of a habit now, bud, where we're like, we saw some weird dork say yeah. something on Twitter, but <laughs> sorry, everyone. That's kind of how arguments come about anymore. Um, the people were pointing out, wh- the question is, can you call something a crisis if it's slowly accrued, or does crisis necessarily mean it's happened all at once? And so they point out the slowly accruing crisis that we don't talk about very much because we have all sorts of other pressing issues is the fact that all the good evidence points to hardly anyone saving money in retirement anymore. Um, especially, you know, and they, they have... Um, economic brackets, and the, the lower the economic bracket goes, the the vast majority of people have either nothing or something that would in no way match what you know these uh, commissars of retirement say that you should have. And it sparks interesting discussions, but because when you put money into retirement, how it's set up now, I mean, of course, we have Social Security, and uh, you know that's supposedly waiting on you there. But then, of course, I uh, just dr- drove with a, a soon. <laughs> recipient of uh, Social Security uh, th- for three days across the country, and he very well informed me about the taxes you have to pay when you start getting Social Security. Mm-hmm. But even with that, a lot of people's retirement goes into investment. And th- on the one hand, you want to point out, I mean, again, this is a, nearing being way out of our league, um, yeah. investments, if you keep it in the market over time, um, statistically, it's going to grow with the economy and everything like this. Um, but you start to think about that in two different ways. On one hand, that's all well and good, except everybody who needed to retire in 2008, for instance, when the market tanked. And uh, you know, what are they going to do, work for four more years? I mean, some people can, but what if literally the reason you're retiring is because your body's breaking down and 2008 is when you need to cash out and the economy is uh, you know, tanked, right? So there's always that element of of true chance that sometimes I think people um, obfuscate for obvious reasons. Uh, But the big deal is to say, look, when you take money that you make and you put it in retirement, those, that money does not sit there. People reinvest it. There's a vested interest in people telling us that we need to put X amount of money into retirement. And I'm not trying to be too conspiracy theory here. I'm I'm not trying to say, like, you don't need any retirement. I'm not saying anything silly like this. But I think it must be said, when you start attaching something as important as how are we going to take care of the elderly, and you put it in a field by putting it into the investment economy where people have a vested interest in there being more of it, it starts to get at least something that I I don't want to say it's dicey, but, but certainly these are things that we need to bring to the fore that I don't think gets talked about all the time. I mean, it's true that money that you can save can help you out later on, but anybody who's lived paycheck to paycheck knows that money right now is money right now and that there's plenty of things uh, and not a, anything frivolous at all. Pay this bill, uh, buy these opportunities for your children to get better in life, and it goes back to what um, we were saying earlier. There's probably 20-somethings who put off having kids because they're worried that they can't put the proper amount of money into retirement because they're worried that if they get to retirement age uh, that their kids would be overly burdened. The strings start to be one whole tapestry instead of these um, unrelated fields that we can sort of wonk about politically. But whenever you mention the word retirement, my mind just immediately goes to some cheesy commercial 
where you're like wearing a, a suit, <laughs> yeah. like Bo's retirement seminar. Oh, but you but you get to the seminar and you're just like first buy ten mason jars. <laughs> Next, okay, a really good like shovel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny enough um, with the godparents for Cyprian here in in Pittsburgh when um, when the godmother's um, mom died, they found tons of money buried in the walls or like hidden in the walls. Yeah, she had she had stored up and it, yeah. But for me, it was a sign of how differently like previous generations kind of thought about these things, you know? Right. And it, it, it ties into, so another book that I think has been formative and how I think about all this is Bowling Alone right. by Robert Putnam. And well, to put flesh on this, when you and I taught together, we would sometimes do one of those games. That's like basically a prisoner's dilemma that it incentivizes people acting in their own self-interest. But throughout the game, if you act in self-interest, the entire time you eventually tank your team you know right and but we we see that in the united states where there's other kinds of capital besides just purely financial capital and the subtitle of putnam's book is america's declining social capital i felt that even in my own life i recently joined a knights of columbus council here in pittsburgh and it's crazy they have an old bowling alley with duck pen bowling with the smaller bowling pins yeah and along the walls you could see that even 30 or 40 years ago, on a Thursday evening, that place would just be packed out. And for, for, it was just common for people to gather in a public place and to have this whole thick community. I don't feel like I'm being nostalgic or unfair to say this is one thing that America did better in the past. And Putnam traces out that not just churches, but if you look at um, elk lodges and bowling leagues, You've, you've seen a steady decline, and that puts people in a more vulnerable position. So when we think as a church, when you start talking about baby steps forward, one of them really, for instance, I know that with you guys at uh, St. Anthony's and, and, and Des Moines, that you've started these Sunday evening potlucks. I feel like that's, that's not incidental towards kind of uh, approaching the kind of problems we're talking about. Quick side note, are you any better at bowling when the pins are smaller? Duck pin bowling is so hard. Uh, a good score, and the the old guys at the place were telling me like a good score in duck pin bowling is one twenty. Oh wow! But I don't, I don't think I've cracked eighty. <laughs> okay, well that's a whole other episode to talk about. You know, I start throwing the I start throwing the ball like uh, Tim Wakefield with a knuckleball, and they're like, "You can't! It's got a it's got a roll. It's got a roll, buddy." <laughs> uh, well, I I think that. That's where we're heading for in this conversation is asking um, what do we mean when we – the term thick community, which starts to be – sort of have social uh, – sociological cachet that people are throwing out that idea of a thick community. And, you know, it's uh, – people can hear Putnam talking and think, oh, yeah. well, I don't – Sure, I don't have a bowling league, but I have, you know, my Reddit friends or I mean, you know, fantasy it's not that football. people people don't yeah, of course, people do stuff. They do fantasy football. Um it can sound like we have countervailing complaints, right? Cuz people go, "Oh, well the other complaint is I have my kid in 5000 sports and we can't even make it to church." Yeah. And what you start to point out right is it's not the activity, it's the idea about where people expect to go be a part of something. I think that that's, you know, one way to start to, to fillet this argument is it's not that bowling leagues themselves are magical. And if we just get more people bowling, um, we would reverse this problem. Your point 
is that people people don't even see things to do as a means of being part of a community. They think of things to do as things to do. It's just entertainment. Yeah. And when you start to get old, you know, family obviously is one place to look where you need to look for help. And if there's shrinking families, of course, that means that there's less people to look for and less capital that they have jointly. Um, But then there's also less places to think, you know, where, who's going to check up on me when I'm old and make sure I'm doing okay. The bowling league is nearly, you know, the bowling is not the main point. The part is that there might be people who've known you for 30 years. And if you don't show up on the bowling league Thursday night, They'll wonder what happened to you and go ask. And that can seem small um, when we just consider individual aspects of it. But in the aggregate, it's massive. And what is the church, like you said, doing to help stem that tide or do something revolutionary and different? Well, we were talking about this on a text thread with some of our friends. And the crazy thing about the way the world works today is... You're told, save, 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 and you have to have a certain amount that you can skim off the top of what you need in terms of just a living wage. And for a lot of people, uh, that's just not, it's very difficult. And yet, our culture kind of turns around and shames people for not playing the game directly. And what we're saying is that you and I don't really have necessarily a good good answer for the nuts and bolts. You know, obviously... um, when you talk about retirement savings, that will look differently depending on what kind of career field that you went into. But part of it is just, and we try to do this on the show before, stepping back and saying, are there messages that we're getting from the broader culture that are corrosive of the things that we treasure most? Or is um, it just even that the, uh, the the words we use are being misappropriated? We're, yeah. we're coming up to the break, so when we get back, I think that's what we'll start off with is the misappropriation of words and the message of the culture making us uh, tripping our minds in when we talk about these things. So uh, for Bud, this is Bo. Thanks for joining us for the first half of the show. After these messages, we'll get back and dive right back into this. This is The Uncommon Good, and we will be back right after this. But if people want to keep up with Iowa Catholic Radio, it's easy to do. All they got to go do is find us on the interwebs so on facebook all you have to put in is iowa catholic radio if you go to twitter at ia catholic radio and you can find the tweets that they send out you can go to the og uh, original gangsta website uh iowa catholic radio.com and there you can find ways to sign up what we're all up to and uh, what's going on around the diocese or you can get an email that sends uh, emails to your email. I said email three times. Sorry. I used it as a noun and a verb and uh, I think even an adjective. Emaily adverb. Uh, twice a month and it will let you know what's going on, ways to sign up, and more. So uh, easy to connect. We hope to see you and talk to you through that. This is The Uncommon Good. We will be back talking about retirement, thick communities, what we owe to the When you donate right to CTO, this. you're helping more and more families send their kids to Catholic school. That's great because more and more families qualify for tuition assistance every year. Your generosity makes a huge difference for thousands of families and kids who really need help. Plus, your donation qualifies you for great tax credits. Want to help? Please donate at ctoiowa.org. Let's do this for the kids and their future. Is it time for a new roof? 
then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall, online at bigredq-demoin.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Vitae Family Care is part of the Iowa Catholic Radio family. Pro-life physician Greg McKernan, a DO, has practiced for 27 years seeing patients of all ages with just about every kind of need. Dr. McKernan lives his faith as a physician and is trained in NAPRO technology, allowing him to diagnose and treat many female conditions and even markedly reduce the occurrence of a miscarriage. VitaeFamilyCare.com Remember, Vitae is Latin for life. Back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner and Dr. Budmar joining you on this Wednesday. Uh, as we said in the first part of the show, we're talking about retirement, and no, we don't have any hot leads on any stocks. Not only do I think we can't do that, I think the uh, federal regulations don't let you do that on a on a, a radio sh- uh, station like ours, but you would probably need to not listen to what we say. But I would almost throw out for the second week in a row um, you know, last week, Dr. Camosi was bringing up the yeah. Seinfeld episode where when George did the opposite, everything turned out right. I would almost think that if you heard us giving you stock investment advice, you should do whatever the opposite of that stock is, and you'd probably be better off. I think that's fair. If there's anything we've told you on the show that you can bank on, it's that we'd be bad at telling you how to invest your money. So this is not about investment for retirement, but it's asking the entire question at all. Why is it that when we think about what the elderly need yeah. at the end of their life, we go, oh, retirement, and then investments, and then how that sort of shapes life from, uh, I mean, really early on, but I- even for you, from you know your 20s when you have kids, what sort of jobs you do, what sort of things do you buy now, what sort of things do you put off money for later, why is mm-hmm. there a vested interest in you investing your money rather than uh, spending it or putting it in some sort of uh, public hold or maybe placing it in the church, all of these things come back around to what we said is it's not a matter of the specifics that we're going to help you on. And we are very well aware that we're not going to tell you really great advice about where to invest. But the questions we can ask go back to something you brought up, Bud, at the end of the last half hour, which is when the culture appropriates certain words to talk about the phenomenon of I am now growing old and I can't be a part of the workforce for various reasons – how is it that they train our minds to think differently than perhaps the church has the capacity to think about how we take care of the elderly? Well, this is always dangerous to do on the fly, but during the first half of the show, Bo, as we were talking, my mind went to Luke 16, and this is one of the Bible passages that's always intrigued me, and I didn't really know quite what to do with, but Jesus tells this whole parable of these different stewards who 
were entrusted money from the master. Right. And a couple of them say, oh, master, I sat on my money because I didn't want to lose any of it. And here's what you gave me back to you. And then the last one comes along and he says, I took these, these bills that were owed to you and I, uh, I went out and to the persons that owed you, I said, look, you owe $900, but I'm just, if you could pay 450 that's a start. Right. And so he doesn't, he gets, he gets back to the owner some of what's owed him, even though it wasn't what the original bills called for. And in the parable, the master actually praises this person and says uh, uh, that you were shrewd in dealing with this money, and so I'm going to entrust you with more. And Jesus goes on to say, the children of this world are often shrewder than the children of light. And I've, I've kind of loved that in one way, where Jesus says, like, look, the people of this world just do a better job sometimes of making things work out well. Right. But then there's this line thrown in there at the end about, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And I've, I've kind of puzzled over that one, Bo, but on the fly, again, I'll be corrected by our good friend Nathan Eubank, or another biblical scholar out there. <laughs> I wonder, you know, sometimes what Jesus will tell his followers is, store up your treasures in heaven because up there moth and rust don't destroy the treasures that you set aside. And so Jesus uses this very um, pedant, this kind of earthy parable, and then moves to the question of eternity. And I, I think what he's saying in part is that, look, there's this analogy to worldly life where people are shrewd, and they, they get ahead with their kind of shrewdness. So why, with the kingdom of God, wouldn't you be even more so? And, you know, as we... That's where, that's where how we use our money, it cuts both directions. Like, on the show, we haven't tried to give people the impression, like, don't save anything. On the other hand, we do have the freedom in Christ to have a certain kind of recklessness that we might not have otherwise, because we know that whatever we, whatever almsgiving, whatever monies we set aside for the building of the kingdom of God, that the return investment will be even greater. Yeah, no, I think that that's uh, all, all of those parables start to really call into question. Um, there's a way in which we think Christianity teaches us to behave rather yeah. than do good. Uh, that's the that's the, the the shorthand way that I try to throw this at people. It's different to be good rather than to behave. And I'm not saying that that means we should go out and buck all social convictions or be rude. There's all sorts of things where you would be misconstruing me. But I think sometimes we get trapped in the idea like, well, here's all these things you should do to behave. This is what people who cross you know, their T's and dot their I's do. This is what people who blow their nose and pay taxes do. And that we need to outdo anybody like that because we're Christians. And... What Jesus constantly throws in our face is, hey, if you were going to save, why wouldn't you save at a better rate? And what's a better yeah. return, 12%, 6%, or eternity, right? So he goes, you, you can invest with all these other investors, uh, but you're, you're going to lose money, and whatever they use will eventually go away. You'll lose it to inflation, moth, etc. If you invest with you know, God's bank, uh, it, yeah. it never goes away, and 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 the the interest is eternity. Um, but then he'll go the other way and go look at this guy who is literally cheating. To, you know, the, the, he has the master being like, you know, you're cheating me out of money, but I'm impressed because you're smart enough to realize that after I'm done with you, you have to have friends, and where are you going to go? And Jesus seems to be, I'll say, but chiding us to say we yeah. live our lives. 
in, uh, in service to a master who will eventually flick us to the side. But we've lived our life in which no one's going to be there to be our friends afterwards. We're so concerned with fitting in and behaving and following the rules instead of doing what's good. And I think you're right. This radically makes us ask, how is it that when we have wealth um, because of whatever blessings we have, that we win friends for eternity? And, and like you said, that's sort of a, a very interesting parab- you know, parabolic way to say, who, who's going to pray for us when we're dead, when yeah. they're dead? Uh, who's going to take care of us when we're old? Well, probably people, are we going to care for people when they're old, right? Like it, it starts to show that the logic of investment that we think we have to do will seem irresponsible to people who don't think there's an afterlife or people who don't think we're in this altogether. And that maybe that's the question that we're starting to raise. I can't tell you who that means you should invest with for your retirement fund, but I do think it might call into radical question about what you might do um, in order to help the elderly now and also assure yourself of having someone to help you when you're elderly. Well, and I should say in qualification that I think I fused two parables there. That's good. That's, the one, you're just being There's medieval. the one about burying the talents, and then there's the one about collecting the bills. But they both drive in the same direction. Bo, correct me if I'm wrong here, but would you say that as, as Christians, based on what you're just saying, it's fine sometimes to be a little bit selfish? Because <laughs> what I mean by that is you, we, we pray for our loved ones who have passed on, and I think it's fine to say, as I pray for these people and pray that God would have mercy on their souls, you look forward to the possibility that they will pray for you before the throne of God. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. this is all in your self-interest. Yeah. I mean, I think what people, one of the biggest hang-ups that Christians misunderstand is we are not, uh, and sorry to dork out, Kantians, right? So Immanuel Kant came up with the idea that the only worthwhile the only morally praiseworthy action you can do is one that you have no vested interest in at all. No, that's that's not the Bible. That's not medieval theology. No one believes that. The, the argument in the Bible is that this is all for your best good. Caring for others is for your yeah. best good. Um, definitely, if you're you want to make sure that like you have people watching out for you as you go through this life, and when you yourself die. Pray for souls in purgatory, because, man, do you realize what an intercessor, a vested interest intercessor you'll have if that person goes to heaven? Yeah, of course you should do that. I mean, that, yeah. that motivated people doing all sorts of good works, not only for the dead, but even for the poor. And, and I, yeah, I've heard people argue with, oh, well, you're only in it um, because you hope that that you know, poor person is like you know, Lazarus or something like that, and we'll go pray for you. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Uh, you're only giving that poor person you know, $5 on the corner because you think it might be Jesus. And you're like, you got me pegged, buddy. Uh, it's <laughs> happened to too many saints. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, so I, this uh, sort of noble i'm only going to do it if you know like i get absolutely no pleasure or no self uh worth out of it that's not christianity flat out and when we think about all of these things we're talking about yes our argument is it is in your self-interest to stop acting like care for the elderly should be completely monetized and thrown into the hands of uh financialized markets you miss yeah. something you yourself. Our communities are worse off dealing with it that way. Well, and I think this ties back to last week, Dr. Camosi brought up polarization, and that idea can become too sentimentalized, or we can, there are times in politics or in social life 
where we just have to put our foot down and tick people off. But I think this is one issue that there's this false understanding that if you're a conservative, you should think this way, and if you're liberal, you, you should think this way. And so I think about even how the bishops lead us as a flock. We have a vested interest in, vested interest in making sure that young people have the capacity to have families. And so if you raise a question about, like, a living wage, that's not being a socialist. Right. <laughs> what, what we're saying as Catholics is if somebody puts in 40 hours of hard week or whatever it happens, hard work each week, um, they should be able to raise a family on the income that they earn from that work. Yeah, and I mean, when you get into even sociological terms like demographic winter, uh, you know, you were referring to the article where, you know, we're, yeah. we're below replacement. Um, even in economic terms, it's in your self-interest to make sure that there is a cohort large enough to pay taxes for the services you expect to get when you're old and can no longer work. Um, and again, I, we're making the big case about like, you know, we, we need to be able to help people beyond just strictly economic terms. But even in this narrow sense, bud, um, in order to, to, to be willing to part with some of your resources now so that 20-somethings can start actually having enough children. So by the time that you're 70, they have children entering into the workforce and contributing to the tax base that allows you to use services that's in your self-interest. That's not socialism. Or con- I mean, like that's that that's not huge economic, uh, philosophical arguments that we're having there. This starts to be the question of: Will there be enough workers to be at the hospice or the nursing home, or just the doctor's office that you will increasingly have to go to? The older you get, I mean, neither you or I, bud, would even be. I mean, I think we're barely considered middle aged, uh, and that's like by the widest uh, taxonomy available. But you, I mean, I'm going and seeing the doctor more now, and I'm just, you know, in my late 30s. Like, the more you go, there's going to have to be this replacement of professionals to do this. So now don't even think about an economics. Do you want there to be enough doctors to help you when you're old? Well, then you have to be willing to make it where 20-year-olds have children and have enough income to send them to professional schools. Well, Bo, have you found that people sometimes think about these things in very deterministic ways? So when we taught bioethics, one topic that would come up is, can you use laws to form people, shape people? Right. The way that students put it is more like you can't control behavior or like influence morality through laws. That just seems false to me. And part of it, I think about, have you been reading about uh, in Hungary where they've had an uptick in birth rate right. and a drop in divorce? And part of it is they've just incentivized having children. I think when you get past four, right. you know, you don't pay income tax for the rest of your life. But I think as Catholics, so there is a bad way in which we can judge people. But as Catholics, we also don't have to be afraid of positive peer pressure. No, yeah. <laughs> so I, right. I hear these stories of old families where... I think the Scalia's, one of the boys became a priest, and the ones under him are like, oh, thank God, now I don't have to. <laughs> and that, you know, like, he kind of took care of that, that job. And through laws, through building a kind of culture, there should be social expectations. And part of what needs to be changed is really how we even think about the vulnerable. And you've, you talked about the language of burden, but we just see dependency as inherently... A flaw. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, a flaw, and it gets used in weird ways, and we ignore, thinking back to Jean Vanier from a couple of weeks, we ignore our own dependency. That's right. 
And I think that that starts to be the, the main question that we're driving at is, um, it, you know, there sometimes starts to be chicken and egg sort of arguments and we go, which came first? But this is one where I'll say the sort of ideological considerations force us to think about things in a certain way when we don't. People will think about, I need to start planning for retirement the minute I enter the workforce at 19 or 20 or 24 because I will be alone at the end of my life and I will need to take care of myself because I don't know if I'm going to have enough kids or any at all. I don't know if I'm going to have friends that would help me out. I don't know where I'm going to live. Well, those are all social determinants that various other decisions we make as society play in that role. And so if all of those things do pertain, you're not going to have a big family, you don't have one, um, you don't plan to have lifelong friends, you don't plan to stay in the same place. And again, very concisely, I'm not saying that people just are randomly choosing this. Most people don't think they have the option. When you make it where people don't think they have the option, well then, yeah, the only choice you have is these extremely long, uh, drawn-out plans to have retirement that you hope inflation doesn't destroy by the time that you're done working. Our question is, why do we assume that first? Or at least let us say this, as the church, why don't we call it into question? Maybe we say, you know, as of today in 2019, we don't know how to do it different, but can't we say this isn't the way that a a Christ-formed community would do this? There has to be a better way. And again, Bud and I, you shouldn't even trust us, you know, doing arithmetic, uh, let alone money. But I think we at least can use, uh, you know, this opportunity to to call that all into question. Well, and Bo, there's a part of me that's really grateful that I grew up in a community that that told me certain things that were against the grain of the culture. I think about even how. So I hope this isn't too nitty gritty for the radio, but you. the the message that um you know sexual sexual intimacy was reserved for marriage and i think hearing that made it so that i married younger right but now when i when i talk to young people i sometimes hear the phrase i'm not ready to have children or i'm not ready to get married and i don't know about you but I, I think if behind what were you ready to have children when you had children? Well, yeah, I mean, the, on one hand, it's an absolutely uh, me- meaningless. No, yeah. meaningless. It's like empty of all because you never are. I yeah. mean, yeah, I, we we just had kid number five, and I'm still like you know learning some of the ropes. I I can't. In, in many ways, you know, Elias, our oldest, he's running around alive. I'm like, well, that's that barely has Unwell. anything to do with me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So for me, this really does intersect with theology because, again, to get kind of my own personal journey, it was really some catchphrases that were used by a professor that we had in grad school. He would say things like, part of the witness of the church throughout history is that they had children in the most dire of circumstances. Right. And I was thinking, what dire circumstances are holding me back? Or he said, with marriage, faithfulness doesn't, being in love doesn't name what's ahead of you. It's at the end of your life being able to look back and say we are faithful to each other. Right. And so those kind of those kind of just one one liners, they shattered some of the I think romanticism and idealism that I'd built around really institutions and practices that, that the church has put in place, partly I mean and largely because of providence, but also as a way of helping people to achieve happiness. 
when they wouldn't we we did have a weird one moment cap but yeah sorry go ahead yeah um no uh so th- to 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 go off of that with uh that so it's dr stanley Howard that brought that up and that's all good but uh another one that he said is at the end of all i think he said at the end of time if christians end up being known as the people who cared for uh babies and children and then the elderly that will have done all right. You know, the, you know, yeah. maybe maybe we will really worry about, like, did we say this right? Did we get this all right? But if we got, in, in the grand scheme of things, known as the people who cared for the weak on both sides of life and in between, um, that we'll be doing all right by Jesus. And, and I, I think that that starts to be exactly what we're getting at is, um, are we going to be willing to publicly state the witness of what we believe to be the case about yep. Jesus Christ uh, and let it affect things like retirement, retirement plans, not only how we invest in our own retirement, but how we approach the whole, what, are, what multiple people are calling the upcoming crisis of the fact that large swaths of the United States population do not have, quote, sufficient funds to retire like they assume they will. I heard a story about a church, I think it was in Texas, where the pastor was getting concerned about the number of church attendees who were cohabitating. Mm-hmm. And he made the church made a financial commitment that if couples wanted to get married, uh, the, the church was going to pay for the ceremony and I think even the rings. And for me, creative approaches like that are really, it won't look the same in every place and in every community. I know we have a good priest friend who he's worked really hard to try to remove any barriers that keep people from the sacraments. And the sacraments are divine life for people, and so we absolutely have to do all that we can so that there's no, there's never a prudential consideration that keeps people from that. Well, but I don't think you can end better with than that, so I'll, I'll go ahead and say for Bud Mar, this is Bo Bonner. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, in our families, our marriages, our city, our state, our nation, the entire world, solar system, galaxy, galaxies, super galaxies, the whole kitten caboodle. This is the Uncommon Good. We will see you next week. Well, Bud, if people want to follow uh, Iowa Catholic Radio throughout the day, what are some of the things they can tune in to be a part of our community? If you're an early riser, you can pray the rosary at 5.30 a.m. and then at 9.30 a.m., if you're a night owl like myself, we pray it again at 9.30 p.m. We also pray the Angelus Daily at 6 in the morning. And then uh, for things that people can do around the diocese, bud, one of the big one, Iowa Catholic Radio Golf Outing, June 14th, 8 a.m. shotgun start at Blank Golf Course on County Line Road. And you can find in- more information and sign up at iowacatholicradio.com. I mean, if we're going to talk about things that you shouldn't trust us with, one is investments and the other is golfing, of which you and I are both... Um, uh, embarrassingly bad is is that enough? Is that strong enough to say how bad we are at investments in golf? Well, I think the Iowa, the Des Moines Catholic community has open doors, and so if you can't swing a golf club, you could carry uh, the the bag or even a drink for someone who can. That's probably true. I just know that no full well. Even if you're like hitting ball after ball into a sand trap, Bud and I would do worse. 
Um, what you could do better than Bud and I as well, uh, you know, Iowa Catholic Radio is a ministry. Maybe you think it's just the people who are on air or behind the scenes, but even behind the scenes, behind the scenes, are the people who really make it possible, which is you, the listeners. Not only are we sustained by your prayers, and we thank you for everyone, and we uh, implore you to ask, uh, you know, our patrons, our mother, uh, St. Michael the Archangel, your saints, uh, for continued prayers and help. Um, we also take uh, great pride in knowing that it's your donations that make this ministry possible. And you are very much a part of this ministry, and we want to thank you for doing so. But if you want to consider to give more, iowacatholicradio.com, where we have secure ways to donate. Bud, it's been a wonderful time. I hope that you have a good week, and I'll see you next week, dude. All right, take care, buddy. This is The Uncommon Good. For Bud Marr, Bo, uh, Bonner, we will see you next week. <laughs> The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard every week on wonderful Catholic stations like this one and anytime on podcasts. Just search for The Uncommon Good.